All right. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It's an absolute honour to be here today with Matt Letizier. How are you doing, Matt? Yeah, I'm very good, thanks, Nick. And you? I'm, I'm good. Now, first of all, how much do you know about DJing drum and bass? Uh, very little. Okay, good. Because that's about <laughs> uh, that's about as much as I know about football. And that was my... <laughs> It was my former career before COVID. Uh, so so we're on an even playing field there. I know. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's not what this interview is going to be about at all. <laughs> um, but is it correct that um, you played for Southampton and never left? Is that right? Uh, that was my only professional club, yes. Yeah. And um, is that a rarity? Uh, pretty rare, yeah. I would say, uh, blimey, maybe one in every 500 or maybe 1,000 footballers do that. Yeah, and I presume that you got some offers, but was that loyalty to your hometown? Uh, a little bit of loyalty, yeah. A little bit of family circumstances. Um, so yeah, different um, different reasons at different times, really. Yeah, I just wonder if it's at all relevant that little factoid to what's going on now. <laughs> um, I've wondered that myself, actually. <laughs> uh, I do have a, a, a sense of loyalty. Um, Certainly, uh, I think if uh, if people do right by me, then I want to do right by them. Um, yeah. And Southampton gave me my chance to be a professional footballer and to achieve my dream of playing for my country. Um, and uh, and yeah, I felt like I, I owed them something for that. That's so interesting because I actually, I, I yeah, just mentioned I was a DJ, but I stayed at the bar that I fell in love with for seven years until things sort of collapsed and then it was COVID shortly afterwards and here we are. Um, but it, it was kind of a similar tug that kept me there. It's like, I, I can earn more in other places, but like this is the place that gave me a shot and I really yeah. love it. And I did a lot of my networking. Like I got big gigs through having that little one. Um, yeah. So similar sort of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's nothing wrong with a, a bit of loyalty and um you know, it's uh, you also. I also took into account um, when decided on whether I wanted to move or not um, was my personal happiness. Um, and personally, playing football for Southampton, uh, I was I was incredibly happy. I loved my job, um, and I didn't see the need to uh, to go and uproot that for you know a few extra quid because money was never the reason that I played football. Yeah, well, I suppose you also had a taste of the bigger stuff as well, playing internationally. And you, again, we've got quite, a, might have quite a few similarities here. I got, yeah, gigs up and down the country, and I just didn't like them as much as playing in my my little bar because it was, yeah, I, it was the same faces, and that was yeah. a part of it, you know. Um, no, absolutely. So yeah, there's there there is the glitzy glamour stuff, and it, it's interesting that maybe once you've got a taste for it you get you you see nah, maybe that's not for me or maybe it is for certain people and not for others uh yeah as i said uh you know i wouldn't expect everyone to make the same decisions i made um because we're all different as human beings and uh and i certainly don't um have any ill feeling towards players who i played with at southampton who uh who decided to go a different way and uh, you know, go and earn some more money and, uh, and you know, perhaps win some trophies to uh, the clubs that they went to. So uh, each to their own has always been my motto. Oh, no, absolutely. It's just interesting. It's an interesting pattern and a good starting point. Uh, so now let's move on to the meat. <laughs> all, all the bullshit of the past three years. Um, 
I mean, you were one of these characters that was like, uh, well, an early blue tick, basically. One of the guys on Twitter that was that was in the pack of people that were talking out against this, like Right Said Fred and Gillian McKeith. There were a few people that I just remember being there early um, that, yeah, had something to lose on the public stage. Mm, yeah. um, do you remember when it was that you'd like leapt in? Oh, very early. Uh, before we even went into lockdowns, I think I was, um, I think I, I put out a tweet um, probably early March, I think it was. Uh, I'd, I'd be fascinated to go back and look at it now um, when, you know, if things were starting to ramp up in the media. It might have been mid-March. Um, and, I, and I simply put out a tweet which said, um, why are we making such a fuss uh, for... <laughs> I mean, it was probably poorly worded when I look back at it now, but it was something along the lines of, why are we making such a big fuss about this uh, about this virus that only affects the really elderly or those with already um, uh, damaged immune systems? Uh, something along those lines. Uh, and this is before we even went into the first lockdown. So I was, I was, I was on it quite early. But, you know, kind of when I look back on that now, it was actually, it was actually a pretty accurate... Uh, assessment of of what came about you know we we there was evidence that it it only affected you know the the really i mean the average age of the person that died from covid was was about the same age as the average age that somebody normally dies in this country so you know why we went to such great trouble to uh destroy our whole economy and our uh entire children's education system and pretty much um, a load of businesses, small and medium-sized businesses as well. Uh, I found it, I found it just bizarre that that the government would actually go to those lengths to do that, given the demographic of people that that it affected. Um, you know, it didn't really affect um, you know people with healthy immune systems and and young people. Uh, okay, there'll be odd occasions that it did. Uh, and I get that, but we've always had to live with that. And we've never shut down our society before because of it. Well, I think you're dwelling on something really, really important. Um, we've been very focused on vaccine damage because it really is the number one issue until stuff starts being done about it. And we we see some change. Yeah. But at the same time, it almost puts it can almost make us forget about um, the damage of lockdown and everything that you've just described because it's massive and it was massive from day one. I mean, it borderline, is it irreparable? We're talking levels that, and, and I feel like nobody really wants to think about that at the moment, no matter what side you're on. There's not actually a lot of discussion going on about the damage of all of those policies compared to the focus on the injuries from the vaccine. And obviously that's incredibly important, but do you know what I mean? It seems to have mm. gone lost. Uh, yeah. I mean, that, that's what the, that's what they want you to, uh, to think they, they want you to forget about it. They want you to, uh, you know, not realize that the catastrophic decisions that they made back there are now playing out in what's happening in our, in our current society with the um you know the cost of uh, living increases that we've seen uh, they'll try and blame it on the war in ukraine obviously uh 
without acknowledging actually that you know the energy prices had already gone up considerably before the war in Ukraine had already started. Um, all these little things, the the government and their lackeys in the media uh, will continue to try to brainwash people that uh, that they they will try and forget that uh, and, and just gloss over it as they're doing with the vaccine injured, um, and they just expect everybody to fall for the propaganda again. Are you alarmed as I am that it's generally the same voices? You know, when um, like you gave a fantastic speech in London the other week um, and you said as part of it, like, I shouldn't really be here. This is a day for the bereaved and injured. But I, th- I think you really, really added something to that. Um, it was it was great. Thank you. Um, but what struck me is it's been the same faces for three years. And it's really shocking to me that all the like, anti-vaxxers like your peers corbyn and and fiona and people why are they on the front line of helping the vaccine injured you know the same people that drives me absolutely nuts it's 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 incredible that that people will still you know throw those slurs around um and incredible that uh more people who know what's going on and are just too cowardly uh, to speak up because they think it's going to affect their lives too much, might affect their income too much. Um, yet, in effect, what they're actually doing is enabling uh, the tyranny to continue for way longer than it ever should do. Um, and if that carries on, then I'm afraid their, their jobs will go anyway uh, and they will become uh, obsolete. Uh, they will become, their jobs will go to uh, artificial intelligence uh, at some point along the way. And um uh, and they'll be probably sat in a room, very old, thinking, blimey, I wish I'd have spoken out a few years ago. Mm. Yeah, see, it's weird. I've kind of divided the world into the Matrix and the not Matrix. So I'm seeing, I saw a video yesterday, one of my friends put up of the new, she called them the NWO barriers at Sainsbury's. Um <laughs> And I think they only open if once you've paid for your shopping or something like that. It's really connected in. They're not just they're not just opening because there's oh wow a, it's it yeah you can only leave once you've paid or so something on that kind of level. And I kind of look at that and I just go, well, you you, you I know you have to go to the supermarket for some things, but you kind of should be aiming to go to the market and the butcher and all of this stuff anyway because they took such a nasty hit. You know? Yeah, yeah, we 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 try and do that uh, in our household. We we go to the local greengrocers and uh, get all our, our fruit and vegetables from there, and uh, and we try and uh, steer away as much as we can from from the supermarkets. Mm. Well, I think it's all sort of one big thing, and um and like because it's because it's really this was an assault from the public sector as far as i as i can tell on the on the wealth creating sector which is what yeah. i like to call it rather than the private sector because the public sector doesn't create any wealth it just takes yours and divvies it out amongst itself and it kind of looks like it's almost hit this size where it's just sort of swallowing everything up and this is this is why you know, <laughs> I mean, I know for a fact that you're in the in the camp of people that is not looking at politics and going, right, maybe we can vote our way out of this. <laughs> maybe Richard Tice is our boy. Definitely not, I'm afraid. Uh, I, I think uh, Richard shot himself in the foot um, with the uh, the comments he made about Andrew Bridging, mm. uh, quite frankly. 
Um, and uh, I think he's done his damage, his, his party irreparable damage. And uh, I, I don't think there there is really um, a way to vote yourself out of this. The whole system is corrupt. Um, you know, red or blue are two cheeks of the same ass, and there's there's nobody else big enough to to try and challenge that. Um, I think the only way it changes is to is to tear down the the system and start all over again. Uh, but you know, the turkeys aren't going to be voting for Christmas. Mm. Were you aware of this kind of stuff prior to twenty twenty? Not a- really. Um, not really. I'd kind of. Uh, gone about my life very quietly um, uh, and with as as minimal interference from the government as possible. You know, I've always I've always had a job. I've never had to rely on benefits. Um, you know, I paid my taxes uh, and um, I just kind of kept my head down and just got on with my life. And I and I was enjoying that life up until 2020 when uh, when everything changed and. The government started interfering a little bit too much for my liking, and I didn't like it. And I thought, no, I'm not. I'm not having this. I'm speaking up. I'm. I'm going to try and do something about this, and try and make other people aware that this isn't normal. We had um, a pandemic preparedness plan in place before, uh, and they completely threw that out the window to copy what everyone was doing in China. Now, since when have we ever copied and believed anything that's come out of China? We know that everything that comes out of there is propaganda. And yet here we were. It was like we our institutions had been taken over by the CCP. It, that's what it felt like to me. Yeah, I actually, I remember um, watching early streams on Twitter of Lawrence Fox. He was very angry about this very early on. And he was nicknaming, he was calling our Prime Minister Boris, Boris Johnson in a sort of Chinese voice. Um because that was exactly what was going on. I interviewed Bob Moran quite a while ago, and he was saying, well, lockdown, surely, if that's on the table at all, should be the very last thing you try once you've exhausted all other options. Not exactly. Not, not the first thing that you leave. No, no. no, that's exactly right. And uh, how more people didn't see uh, through the bullshit was um, was incredible to me. Uh some of my um some of my good friends who I thought were incredibly intelligent uh, and really switched on um and yet they could not see through the bullshit um and I was just gobsmacked I, I really was and it's been oh it's been a, it's been a quite a frustrating I think at times uh, three years trying to get through to people um but I think the tide has turned quite significantly, if I'm honest. Uh, certainly in my circle that I noticed, uh, my circle of family and friends, uh, there has been a big shift in attitudes towards the government. You know, you ask them now if they would, if they would, uh, you know, do the lockdowns again or wear masks again. And, um, you know, there's a considerable amount of them that were quite happy to do that two and a half years ago, who, who would now say, uh-uh, no, no. We've seen the we've seen the evidence now. You know we've seen the scientific studies. Masks don't work. Lockdowns have made no difference when you compare it to other countries that didn't lock down. So what was the point? All it did was absolutely trash our economy. Um, and you know people are, are, are still wondering why we've got a cost of living crisis when they just printed 
billions of pounds and bribed people with the furlough money um, to stay at home and and comply with their ridiculous rules. Yeah, which, this which I didn't comply to. <laughs> Good man, obviously. Obviously, um, actually, you know, I mean, it was fantastic weather during that first lockdown, and I it was. I remember. Um, yeah, they said you can only exercise outside for 15 minutes a day. And um, I lived by some rather lovely hills at that point. And I would go walking in the baking sun for like hours. I'm talking hours because there was nothing else to do, was there? Yeah. Wasn't allowed mm-hmm. to see anyone. And I just remember I remember taking a little selfie for Instagram. And going, I'm breaking the law right now. <laughs> and just actually thinking about it, going, well, I mean... If somebody caught me, I'd just explain that this is all nonsense, and not yeah. not that not that the pandemic was nonsense, but that the idea of arresting a man in the middle of a field is like, <laughs> you know, I th- I thought we were there, and and yeah, I'm having flashbacks right now to that footage of um, the police going up to people in parks when they were actually allowed to be there. This is when lockdown is being like, or maybe we're in tears or something, but the police are just there to keep an eye on what exactly what what yeah. what are you here to prevent it's amazing how they could they were able to keep an eye on covid lawbreakers but don't give a shit when people are burglaring your house no they're, they're not patrolling the streets then are they looking to see where the burglars are but they were happy to patrol the parks to see if anyone was breaking covid rules the police my my um opinion of the police uh has just gone down so much in the last two or three years. Honestly, the way that they have behaved, uh, I have lost complete and utter trust in our police force. Uh, they just uh, completely went against the people that they're supposed to be on the side of, uh, law-abiding people, and uh, uh, and sided with the government. And, you know, that that for me was, was um, a line they should never have crossed. Yeah, I, I find it all quite sad because um, I never get on with the like all cops are bastards rhetoric um, at all. But I I just have to conclude at this point that it's not it's not there to help us. First of all, there's so there's even outside of pandemic stuff, there's a lot of crime, very serious crime that you and me would never consider. I mean, it's just not even on my radar um, that that is completely swept under the rug and not dealt with. Um, But this in particular, like, I'll tell you one story. There was, it was in lockdown two around December of 2020 um, when a friend of mine was having a a secret party in the middle of London and she had like a basement flat and she um, put foil in the windows so that no one would see it and soundproof the whole thing. And she was planning it for ages and then when it came down to it, I was too scared to get the train into London to go to my friend's very secure little Christmas party because we weren't we weren't allowed to. And and now I look back on that and I'm like, I'm so angry. I'm, I'm particularly <laughs> I'm I'm very angry about the age group stuff as well because I th- I believe that the younger you are, the more you suffered. So it's not boohoo me, you know. I'm talking five year olds and six year anyone in school. Yeah. This is unbelievable. Like along with police, I'm I'm terrified of the school system that it it went ahead with the mask thing. You know that disgusting. means disgusting, absolutely disgusting. Yeah, there there must be so few of them in there 
that can think to the level that I I would trust them, you know? Absolutely. I would have to agree with that. Yeah. So it's been a it's been a bloody shocking three years. I, I wanted to check: Are you an optimist or a pessimist? I'm an optimist, mate. I'm always an Sorry. always an optimist, and uh, as much as uh, all of this stuff has been quite uh, quite difficult at times, um, I always feel like uh, there are way more good people on this planet than there are bad, and we would eventually win. Mm. Yeah, I feel like there's inevitability about it i mean first of all they're, they're kind of trying to create a tower of babel thing here that's what globalism is it's basically the tower of babel myth um and you cannot do that it appears to be a sort of law of the universe i also heard someone recently talking about like klaus schwab's sort of transhumanist plans and his ideations and whether it's even possible as in can you actually like put that chip in there and get a person to do that well, well, no, this is kind of the mad ramblings of a fantasist. Um, and I find that quite, yeah. So so I, I think these plans are so ridiculous that they can't work yeah. out. Yeah, I'm not sure I, I believe a lot of the stuff that they come out with, you know, that, all the stuff in the, they're talking about in the World Economic Forum, um, uh, about what they can what they can do to you, how they're going to do it to you. Uh, I think um, they use that to, to kind of frighten people um, mm. uh, a little bit. I'm sure there is some technology there that, you know, we're not privy to, um, but the lengths that they're kind of going to, you just wonder how are they going to get, <laughs> I just think, how are they going to get humans to actually accept that? And then I think, well, actually, they got a lot of people to accept wearing a mask that was fucking useless. Uh, so they probably think they can get away with it again. And I reckon that's that was kind of why they, why they did it, um, you know, just to test, the compliance and see how many people that they could get to do the most stupid things. And uh, unfortunately there was quite a lot of them. Well, that kind of twigged for me part of the way through it, that what was going on here was all compliance tests. And the only, to be honest, the only way out of lockdown is to resist lockdown. And I, I actually believe, cause I remember the week quite clearly, I was doing a lot of filming then and ended up on parliament square basically every day with the same and we're still supposed to be in lockdown um but it had hit that point it had hit that point where we're in lockdown and actually like hundreds of people are just at downing street every single day yeah. it's like this is untenable and if you keep it going on no one's even going to believe there was a virus <laughs> yeah but we're not allowed to debate that kind of stuff because uh that's another thing that kind of was a massive red flag to me early on was that there was no credible debate going on. We weren't allowed to uh, hear both sides of the story. All you got the whole time was just one side of the story. Uh, when I knew that there were people who were disagreeing with what was going on, you know, scientific people who thought lockdowns were madness, um, and yet you weren't allowed to express that opinion on television. Um, and at that point, that's kind of when you know uh, actually this is this is pure propaganda because they're just giving us one side of the story and not only that they're repeating it over and over again which as we know is one of the you know one of the most effective forms of brainwashing is to just repeat 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 yeah hands face space i mean one of the ones nonsense. That, well one of the ones that was absolute nonsense was stay alert for what <laughs> for what <laughs> well, see if you could see the virus Whoa. 
Yeah, stay alert for this timeless <laughs> thing that could be anywhere at any point, and anyone could give and can survive on anything. Stay alert for everything. You know, it was, yeah, it was just horrible, um, yeah, yellow and black wasp tape over everything. <laughs> I have so many flashbacks to like playgrounds, playgrounds with all this tape around it. You know, horrible. It was. It was. There's some. There's some bad, bad times, and. Uh... You know, I think when I look back on it now, um, I, I know my family and uh, a few of my friends thought I was going mad because I was, you know, uh, going against everything basically. Um, uh, and I don't know, maybe to a, maybe to a certain extent, I did get a bit over obsessed with what was going on because there was nothing else to do. You know, you couldn't do anything else, so I was just, you know, uh, fighting the machine basically, uh, and. Yeah, I think there were there were times when my family were worried about my mental health, but I was always felt like I was in control. Uh, maybe a, as I said, a little bit too uh, obsessed with everything and kind of neglecting family matters, maybe a little bit at times. So I had to readdress that and, and get a bit of a better balance in my life, um, which uh, hopefully I've I've managed to do now. But uh, I will still always be in this fight. You know that there's there's a lot of injustices that need to be righted before. Um, I'm I'm gonna be happy to you know shut down my Twitter account and my Getter account and <laughs> and just go back to playing golf a couple of times a week and doing a bit of work. Oh, I know it'd be lovely. I want to get a DJ residency again, but it doesn't look like it's gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I, I yeah, you you highlighted like the TV. I think I think that's that's the kicker. I think the only brainwashed, well, not the only brainwashed people, but if you're plugged into the TV for your news rather than something like Twitter, then I I really think that's the problem. Because as much as Twitter is censorious and like the Elon's going to save the day with, with these Twitter files or whatever, um, I've found it an incredibly useful resource. Um, and I did lose my Twitter account a few months ago and it was gutting because that was how I got all of my vaccine injured guests. That was how I got in contact yeah everyone that i spoke to who was injured or bereaved like there is telegram but twitter was so quick and 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 that's why i find it actually like very harsh because it's not that i want my twitter so that i can grow my following and show off my clever person thoughts it's that a phone book got deleted and there were and i did have some lined up that i didn't have any because i just put the call out i said anyone who's injured or bereaved and is on twitter so these aren't necessarily people that are connected to us in the uk or anything yeah um, you know, I, I had stuff lined up with them and that was just gone like that. So so it does have an effect beyond like, oh no, my profile. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely it does. Um, but yeah, I was, I don't, I'm quite, not quite sure how I escaped a, a Twitter ban, but uh, I had several of my tweets were investigated uh, and I got emails back going, we're investigating your tweet, you said this, and then it came back and went, no, no, you're all right. Uh, so I've managed to tread the line quite carefully, apparently. There's no rhyme or reason to it. Mine was um, something about the uh, the mermaids, the trans children charity. I, I tweeted something um, not so supportive of that charity when stuff came out about them. And that was the one that got me done. It was nothing to do wow. with it. Yeah. Bizarre. Yeah, I, I think the, the, the whole television thing that the news... Um, you know, the BBC, I stopped paying my TV licence um, 
in May of 2020 because I just couldn't bear it. I couldn't bear it anymore. It was just so doom laden. Every single program that was on, and it was just you just thought, geez, what is going on? So I just went, nah, stop that. I'm not watching that anymore. So I, I switched all, all the news channels off um, and stopped paying my TV license. And uh, I've had about 12 letters since, but they never do anything. No, they won't do. But I do, yeah, I don't think you can underestimate the sort of the role of the BBC in it, in keeping it all going. It's it's absolutely huge. Yeah, and not, not just the BBC, though, you know, even people like Sky News and, uh, and ITV, I think you can't just label it all at the BBC, although, you know, they are uh, uh, a law unto themselves, really. How they survived, you know, covering up for the world, the, the country's most prolific paedophile for all those years, uh, beggars belief, and people still give still give their money to them. Um, so I'm not quite sure uh, how they did that, but obviously the brainwashing is strong. Yes, it is. But um, as you say, you're an optimist and like... So have you you've been impressed with the people and the public? Because it's it's very hard to gauge, you know, you'll be in certain settings and everyone is is double jabbed and blah blah or triple or four or whatever we're on now. Um <laughs> and, no, and no one's really thought about it and you're the odd one out. But I've been to so many of these protests, like the one a few weeks ago. Um and I would say my gauge on how well we're doing is is actually just looking at what their plans were. So we got rid of the Vax passports. Um, I know people say for now, but I think I think we did. I don't think there's any chance of you being like I don't know. I think we've done really well. I think I think well, certainly in this country, I think we've done a lot better than a lot of other countries. Uh, I think we kicked up enough of a stink. Uh, to let them know that we we weren't gonna we weren't gonna be having what they were what their plans were for us, um, uh, and so uh, definitely the, the vaccine mandates, um, you know, went on that uh, the 100k NHS march, um, uh, you know, when those mandates got rescinded, uh, which I thought was a huge victory. Uh, the size of that protest was, um, you know, absolutely huge. Uh, so that was um, a pretty impressive thing. You know, the whole masking thing, you know, we've still got masks in some countries on public transport and all that kind of stuff. And, and places in America are still trying to bring back masks. But uh, it's it's absolute nonsense. Um, so I think we've done pretty well in this country. In fact, I was it's just little it's just little victories as well that make that kind of makes me smile and makes my heart jump a little bit. And um, I had one of those. Uh, a few weeks ago when the nearest garage to my house um it's got like a little Greg's in it and a uh, subway and uh so like forever it's had these bloody screens up <laughs> just like a plastic screen so like the virus can't go over the top of that or anything like that do you know what i mean if it exists and uh so they had all these screens there. it's been there for like two years and every time i go in the garage i'm like Really? What is it? And then I walked in the garage about three weeks ago. And honestly, my heart jumped because they'd taken these freaking useless plastic screens down. And and I just looked at it and I went, oh, oh, thank God for that. And it's just another visual reminder that, it, you, you know, we are we, we are getting somewhere. Uh, and I think we are we are winning and we are doing things to their plans that they don't like. Um, and so, yeah, I, I do believe we are 
it's going to be a long battle because they ain't going to stop. They're not going to give up, but um, neither are we. Uh, and I will, I will continue in this fight until uh, until we get some kind of justice for the people that have been injured uh, by the jabs. Um, uh, but also um, get these people out of office who were the ones that took us into these measures in the first place. I, th I think that's the thing, is that when you're sitting where we are and you know the full facts of the damage that's done, and you've been following it for a long time, so you know it was always based on nothing, you know, to see still absolutely no acknowledgement and the kind of things that Hancock said about Bridgen, it, you know, I, I, it's surprising that stuff can still shock me because sort of nothing shocks me anymore. But actually, no, I think I do find this shocking that in the sense of, well, how long are you going to keep going with with this? Because all it does yeah. is make people incredibly angry. There's no benefit to you putting this off, I don't think. Well, I mean, the 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 whole, you know, keeping going to make people angry is I, is I think that they were expecting a lot more civil unrest and I think they were expecting um, you know not just peaceful protests I think they were expecting worse than that um, and you know speaking to to a couple of people um, who were talking about you know the the fighting age uh, men that are coming across um, illegally into this country and being housed in hotels up and down the country um you know there was there was people talking about those guys um being trained up to actually you know be there to police any civil disobedience and knowing that they're foreigners they don't have any affinity to the people in this country and they will probably gladly uh strong arm themselves um if if any civil disobedience took place they wouldn't think twice about uh harming or injuring the public yeah, I mean, I've heard this theory for a while, but it's kind of clicked into place with me. Oh, are they, in the theory, receiving the training once they're here in the hotels for this? So I don't know how this is working. It's very, it's very. No, it is very confusing. You don't know. You don't know what to believe. I'm not saying that that is what they're here for. Um, you know, uh, I, I just find it a little bit odd um, that we're allowing this to happen and we're putting them up. Uh, around the country and, and giving them money to spend um, and yet we do uh, literally zero for our, our poorest people in this country um, and these people seem to be getting priority over our own uh, you know I and I grew up uh, believing that you know charity begins at home and you sort your own out first yeah I think this is it um, you know this is a this is a twist in the tale I've I've Prior to COVID, I was kind of involved in nationalism, as you would call it. Anything that the um, that the mainstream media would refer to as far right, you know, that, that was the buzzword before um, anti-vaxxers. But like this is this is what's going on here is is essentially the natives are at the bottom of the pile for everything, and and this, if you understand the concept of globalism, like it's against the natives of everywhere. So there's nothing wrong with you standing up for your own where you are. And I, I, to be honest, I have a massive problem with people fleeing 
their country mm. on mass, really. I, yes. I I very much feel it's my responsibility to sort out my nation if there's a problem and not and not run away. So I don't I don't really buy the whole they're they're fleeing thing uh, unless no. Yeah. It doesn't make sense, especially, you know, from, from countries that aren't uh, certainly uh, in conflict with anybody else. Um, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, and yet we're not uh, we're not given any information about that. It's all kind of uh, kept very much under wraps and they try and hide everything. And you, you have to rely on investigative journalists to go and film these people in the hotels and, you know, just to prove that it is actually happening because the government will tell you nothing. Um, and so that doesn't uh, inspire any trust in in, in governments uh, at all. So, you know, if my trust in the government could get any lower, um, I mean, it, it has because of the fact that they just turn a blind eye to stuff and only tell you about the stuff that they want you to hear about. Well, I think this is, you know, the difficult realisation or the hump that everyone has to go over is that the government would be willing to do this. That's the, the real realisation. Um, mm. is just coming to terms with, oh, not only do they not care about you, I think they might they might want you gone. They might be poisoning you. You never know. <laughs> they might be they might be forcing you to or, or coercing, not not quite forcing, but coercing you to to take experimental jabs that mm-hmm. um, you know they try to hide the data safety data for 75 years from us and and now we're seeing what that data is and uh it ain't looking good for them uh and i'm not sure you know how much longer the the mainstream media can turn a blind eye to all this stuff sorry i've just remembered the other thing i was going to say that was relative to like the topic of the native population which was uh you must be aware of the statistics of the uptake rate in uh bane populations compared to native British-born populations. And, you know, God bless everyone that saw through it and and refused it and that. And actually, when you go on those protests through areas like Brixton, um, the reception you get is amazing, particularly particularly for bus drivers. They love that. <laughs> um, but it kind of terrifies me that, you know, if you take all of these things in tandem, the mad immigration coming over on the boats, the fact that, I mean, there's an agenda against to to just sort of demonize anyone that cares about this stuff is a long thing, calling stuff like the British Nationalist Party like fascist for for daring to believe in this kind of stuff. I mean, you tie all of that together with the vaccine uptake rate of natives and non-natives <laughs> i mean put this all together mm. um i i think i i read something about the kalergi plan um and i think that's probably uh something that is not a conspiracy theory from from the evidence that we're seeing play out before us at the moment well, you've really gone in the deep end there matt <laughs> <laughs> What I find most interesting about a concept like the Kalergi plan is that by mentioning it, you are an evil person for believing that somebody could be that evil. You're not the one doing it, but you will instantly become, oh, my God, I can't believe his foul ideas. (laughs) (laughs) Not my idea. It's all there in black and white. Go and read it. It is a little bit, and it's and it's bloody terrifying. And I and I, you know, as someone that was 
aware of that uh, prior to 2020. I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty glad to see like I saw the light paper share the Kalergi plan the other day, and it's like just as long as everyone's on the same page and and kind of catching up at the same time. Well, we do seem to be moving as one. I mean, chemtrails was an interesting one. There was just a point somewhere mm. in which when everyone kind of went, yeah, that that's real. That's, that's <laughs> Yeah, uh, I know. It's just, it was pretty obvious, wasn't it? Uh, I mean, the skies, geez. Um, uh, I mean, there were some serious cloud formations that I wasn't taught when I was a kid, put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, well, we we spot it every morning on the way to work now. <laughs> um, we've been going for a while, and I haven't actually we haven't focused on the protest in um, in London. Like as I said, you 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 gave a terrific speech, but then so did everyone that day. Absolutely, was, they did. Yeah, I, I was really I was really taken aback by how how well the people who've been invited to speak spoke because they're not public speakers. No, it's a very difficult thing to do. And uh, I think they spoke from their heart, spoke with passion. Um, And uh, I think they did. uh, Everyone did a, a fantastic job. Yeah, it was wonderful. It's not the first one you'd been to, though. You said you'd been to the NHS 100K. Yeah, it's the first one I've ever spoken at, though. Yeah. Yeah. And and how was that? You know? Um, uh, yeah, as I, as I said, it, I, I felt a bit out of place um, because, you know, uh, as I mentioned in my speech, it was meant to be about the, the vaccine injured and the breed. And um, it was only when John Watt had spoken to and, and he he'd said to me, no, he said, we, we would really like you to speak. You've been a, standing up for us. You've been a big advocate for us. So if you, if you would do that, we would be very grateful. My name's John Watt. Mm-hmm. I signed up in the vaccine, and here's Morgan decided to block me this morning. All I asked him was if he would be interested in, in interviewing the vaccine injured bereaved, and for some weird reason, the man's just blocked me. All right, John, I, I'm not sure. That's 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 between you and him. That's nothing to do with me, so I'm going to say goodbye right now, and thank you for calling. Um, so with that, I, I then uh, was happy to stand up there and... Um, I'll be honest, when I wrote the speech, there was no swear words in it. <laughs> but what I did find while I was up there is some of the anger and frustration uh, of the last couple of years came out a little bit, uh, especially when it comes to, you know, the the PPC, um, the, the paedophile protecting corporation that was just behind us. Um, uh, and I, I did drop a couple of F-bombs, which weren't really um, supposed to be there. But that was the that was just in the moment, you know. I was I, I felt passionate about it, and um, I, I feel uh, that our government has truly let these people down. You know, they trusted them, they took their jabs, uh, and they've been injured, and now they've just been forgotten. I think it's absolutely disgusting. It it's that it's it's literal insult to injury, isn't yeah. it? Really serious insult to a really serious injury. It's exactly. Yeah, and, and again, this is what gets to me. Why is this falling to people like us? You know, this it's insane that it's falling to like Matt Letizier, ex footballer. What what possible role do you have in this? And it ends up being quite an important one. There's no logic to it. Um, no, there is no logic to it. Uh, but you know, I guess you could look at it and think, well, you know. Maybe you were put on this earth for this very moment um, and you've got a job to do and you stand up and you do it. And uh, I've taken the the slings and arrows um, and quite frankly, 
they've been very easy to bat off because uh, when I feel like so, when I feel so passionate and and feel like I'm so right about something, um, nothing will distract me. Not even the seventy seventh brigade uh, who like to troll my tweets and uh, uh, they they get short thrift, um, you know. And I and I just very good at muting and blocking and uh and putting that out of my mind and not allowing that negativity into my life did you used to engage on twitter oh i engaged a lot i mean twitter i found twitter was great fun um you know pre-2020 i used to have fantastic debates uh and take the piss out of people all the time you know all good natured um you know and uh you know and a lot of it was just debating stuff that happened on football pitches in football matches and and um you know football supporters you get very passionate and i would engage and i'd have long conversations and uh and it was fun you know it was fun nobody took it too seriously uh and then march of 2020 all of a sudden it stopped becoming fun and everybody got really serious and you know very polarized uh, and in not in a good way, in a nasty, uh, in a nasty way, and it just yeah, it stopped being fun then, and it it just became about trying to get your message across. And uh, I kind of stopped actually uh, reading the replies to my tweets for uh, for quite a while, um, and uh, it, it, that's been an interesting one as well. Actually, I would say probably ninety ninety five percent of all the replies I was getting were very negative. And um, what I have noticed is that uh, over the last year or so, uh, there's been a huge shift. And I would say probably now um, 90% of the replies that I get are very supportive and very positive towards me. Nice. I mean, yeah, that tells us where we are because it's so difficult to gauge. You know, you can't you can't judge it off um, our protest movement because that's not a representative sample size. You can't judge it off anything that's shown on the TV. So how how do you get a gauge on this? And I think you're probably right that um, was it daily? No, it's local news articles. That's what because young woman in my town died suddenly at 35 um and you go on the comments of that page where it's not it's not quickly moderated or, or i suppose they're all paywalled now aren't they the times and the telegraph who's paying for this i know uh, what 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 idiots are doing that i know it's bizarre um but yeah no i noticed in the local um news when somebody has died suddenly it's pretty unanimous in the comments um, because there's no response to it, is it? You know, it's happened um, to me where somebody that my mum knew, her, her daughter died, you know, that's awful, isn't it? There's someone that's about my age, um, just dropped dead. And they know my opinion on this stuff. And it's like they don't even have to ask. It's like I, I pretty much just pull a face. It's like, well, I'm doing my bit. Um, yeah. I, I talk to these guys. I know how bad it is. You know, I need you guys to join in at some point. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's really hard because, um, you know, facts don't resonate with these people. Um, they're, they're so indoctrinated um, that it's really difficult to to actually get through to them because uh, our fact that they their emotions are, you know, so, so high uh, that they don't get 
that our facts don't penetrate their emotions. Um, you know, don't look at things factually. So what I found is that it is much better to actually just drop questions into people rather than bombard them with facts. Um, is just drop some subtle questions in and go, oh, I wonder, I wonder why that was. Why, why? Oh, she she just dropped dead. Blimey, I wonder what could have caused that. And then and then just leave it and leave them wandering. Uh, and and just hope that somewhere you know later on in that day they think back and go, oh, that was a strange response. Why did he? Why did he say that? Nah, I might go and have a look. Yeah. Um, and and I I think the best gauge that I've I could really have has been from my from my circle of family and friends and the difference in their uh, attitudes towards it now than than what it was two and a half years ago. And there's there's been a big change. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, it's a really, it's a tough thing to come to terms with the the scale of it. So I understand um, that it has to be a slow process, but that question of like, how do you wake people up? I mean, I, I, I think we all gave up on that after about, well, because there's so much, uh, the, the conclusion I've come to on that one is there's so much evidence you can look any which way you like PCR tests or average age of death, 82, like any of this, um well on any strand it's a choice it's a choice to look into it or a choice to not look into it you just want to stay yeah you just want to stay in your little matrix and uh and not really feel uncomfortable in uh in in the truth they they would rather have a convenient lie than an uncomfortable truth Mm, but at the same time i wonder okay well they've already you know pierced your skin several times and injected you with something that you don't know anything about uh is that not enough uh, obviously it's not enough but i mean like you mentioned how twitter was ruined for you by all of this suddenly you had to pick a side and you didn't get to have your football banter anymore and that and i think that's the point of totalitarianism is that at some point it comes for that stuff that you care about right you can't yeah. go, oh i don't like i've got i've got one friend left who's not like us right and is not interested <laughs> but he won't give up on me um, and so I can't give up on him either. Like it's it's just good banter um, between the pair of us. And it's like your um, you were mentioning your smart friends. It's like this guy's better at statistics than I am, and and science and all the rest of it. And at this stage in the game, I'm basically just bullying him, going like, "Well, come on, you you should be smarter than me." <laughs> and 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 yet. And yet you don't know about any of this, do you? Do you even do you even know what? Yeah. I, d- I don't know. Um, I'm trying to drag him along, but maybe maybe nothing will happen. <laughs> Some people are just uh, so far lost that you just you, you, you can't save everybody. That's what I've that's what I've realised. No, no, but I think you've been welcome on some platforms where I think you can make a difference. You know, GB News is like a fence sitting type platform and um and you've you've been on there quite regularly yeah yeah i have been uh i've been on the the dan button show um you know i've been on his uh his panel a couple of times i've phoned in a few times when they uh want to talk about various topics and uh and i do try and get in i've always tried to um get in a little a little dig somewhere along the line you know the 
I was on the the panel and we had to nominate Britain's greatest Britain, and this was in the lead up to the uh, to the protest. So I uh, nominated Fiona just so that I could, you know, get in there that there is this protest on Saturday and this is what it's about. And uh, and so just little things I can try and get in there. Uh, my nominee is Fiona Hine, uh, who was the organiser behind the uh, 100k NHS protest last year, which helped to get the mandates rescinded. Uh, and she has also uh, organised a protest for this coming Saturday uh, to allow the vaccine injured in this country to have a voice. But I, I, I do... I do still think sometimes, um, you know, when you see a story like the the Pfizer, uh, the Project Veritas Pfizer um, stuff that went on, and and they don't they don't react to that, they don't do a story on that at all. It, it does dishearten you a little bit that you know maybe, yeah, how why would they not? I mean, nearly thirty million people have viewed it on Twitter alone. Uh, and yet this massive story that's blown up, everybody in the mainstream media is just turning a blind eye to it, and even GB News turned a blind eye to it. And so uh, I was a little bit disheartened by that when it came to to GB News, if I'm honest. Yeah, I mean, I heard Abby Roberts point out that the march wasn't on the Neil Oliver show that night, and it's like, you know, it should be, really. It should be. There's no reason why that shouldn't be there. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a, it's a bit frustrating, and uh, uh, and yeah, I'll, I'm, I do keep trying. I don't want to burn bridges because they do give me a platform and a, and a chance to speak. Um, so uh, so yeah, I'll just keep just keep trying to do as much as I can. No, I, I've noticed it along the way. I remember with um, Nana, you had you had your pin badge on, didn't you? That was that was good. Always diverting attention towards it. You're wearing a little. What's that about? You? Oh, that's the uh, vaccine injury bereaved group. Okay. Um, so uh, just trying to uh, shine a, a little bit of a light on the people that have been um, injured, that are kind of being ignored by our government at the moment, and uh, and I think our government. Have, behave disgracefully in the way that they've treated those people so just try and highlight it any opportunity I can get what was good what was good was she didn't know what it was and she asked me about it and uh, and so that gave me the opportunity to then go oh it's it's this and I knew that she was not she was you know very pro-vax uh, yeah. and, and her face when I uh, when I told her what it was about she couldn't change the subject quick enough it's just that stance of being pro-vax. It's like we're not even talking about that at this point. We're saying, can you invite John and Alex and everyone else onto your sofa to tell their stories, please? Yeah. That's what we're talking about here. This isn't about like, oh, are you in? Are you in favour of vaccines? Yeah, I mean, Claire, they did have. Uh, I think it was Dan Watton had uh, Claire Hibbs uh, on uh, last week. So, awesome. um, so that was a you know. Uh, a nice one. He had uh, a couple of people on there, so that was kind of a little bit of a breakthrough. Yeah, no, I mean they—that's the thing with GB News is like you can't say that they're not doing their bit and that they've never covered it. And then you can also—I know people have traced like Bill and Melinda Gates funding through it, but you know it—it's not perfect, and we do what we can. Is kind yeah, of no, that's exactly right. Yeah, that, that's kind of how I look at it. But I do miss Mark Stein. I'll tell you that. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he was a real trooper. Yeah, that actually, no, there's one more bit on GB News I want to just ask you about, which was that incident with Leo Curse. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we have seen some deaths from uh, myocarditis and other other uh, results from the from the vaccine, uh, but also COVID. Uh, COVID actually le- leads to a higher risk 
of, uh, of heart disease. So, I mean, you can also say that the vaccine has saved a lot of people from, from heart disease. I mean, it's, I think it's, it's easy to focus on a, on a few examples of uh, athletes falling over uh, and say, oh, this, is, this shows that the vaccine uh, doesn't work. But the, the figures show, the figures show. Uh, I'm not sure I still trust examples? all the figures, but the figures show that COVID is, is actually more of a risk when it comes to, to heart disease. I mean, would, would you accept that? Uh, I, I, I'm not sure what figures you've been saying, but... I don't know. It makes me feel a certain way because, yeah, they can only say so much because they have to preserve whatever um, else Ofcom will do, whatever they do. I didn't do that, right? And you didn't do that. And, like, I'm not taking the bribe. I'm just going to tell the truth. And that's just how I feel about it. So, like, there's a limit to how much I can respect a GB News presenter, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, 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 absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I get where you're coming from entirely. Yeah, but but as we say, like, you've you've got an in there, and it's better that you got that than um, than you don't. Um, so, like, I'm, I'm really glad that you came down to um, and spoke at that protest, because I think that was... I've been to so many of them and that was the most impactful on a soul level for me, I think. that You mentioned the NHS 100K and I remember the feel of that one being really, really tense because those guys were, what, about a fortnight away from losing their jobs? So that yeah, one, a few weeks, yeah. Yeah, it's something like that. So that one really meant something, but I think this one beat that out of the park, to be honest. There, it just felt like yeah, this this really matters. Everyone who's showed up today is is doing something so important. Yeah, know? yeah, absolutely. And I think there's uh, it was great that they're going to continue the the truth be told uh, through March as well with a, another few events in March. So um, uh, that's great that they're they're not just going to just do the one month. And um, you know we need to keep pushing this until these people get recognised.